0: Well, if you don't have one of these servant outlines, hold up your hand. There'll be some notes on there and things on there that'll help you. And if you want to take notes, then place on there, to take your notes. But we're going to be talking today about how to position your family to be fully blessed of God. How to be positioned for your family to be fully blessed of God. And, you know, I think that probably from the times we live in now compared to when I grew up back in the 1950s, 1960s, that a lot of people haven't a clue what that means to be blessed of God. Because, like we said, some of the missions we support uh, are very vital to families, the Pacific Justice Institute. You know, I, uh, I, I, I really try to be nice when I'm talking public because I talk a little more different in private, but I praise God for places like Pacific Justice Institute because I was telling my kids last night that if somebody was to go in the bathroom my little granddaughter, they'd probably come out singing soprano. I'm not going to have it. But praise God for Pacific Justice Institute that stands up and fights for the rights of our children and our families. I am going to be a pastor that's biblically, biblically correct over politically correct. Politically correct is not going to run my grandkids' lives. Amen. And so we need, we need, we need to learn how God talks about things. So we can role model in front of our children what the will of God is for families. And when I think about the families, I think about myself. I was not raised in a Christian family, I was raised in a family of drunks, gamblers, they wasn't called Mafia back then where I was raised up. at. I had was in the syndicate. They were professional bad guys. And thugs, beater-uppers. I was raised up back in the 50s, 60s, that kind of a home. But I knew one Christian, my Baptist grandma. My faithful Baptist grandma took us kids to Sunday school, took us kids to church. So out of all the bad examples I saw in front of me at home all the time, and in my family gatherings, and all they all did, I mean, what my family taught was how to fight, how to get drunk, how to wake up and drink more to get rid of the, they said, the, another hair of the dog, would bitch, you whatever, I mean, I don't know. But anyway, that's what they said. You've got to go ahead and start it over again if you want to get rid of the headache. So they taught me that kind of thing, taught me how to fight, taught me how to cheat, How to lie, how to steal, how to hide from the police, and all that stupid stuff. But my Baptist grandma was a godly example. We're going to look at that here in the Bible in just a minute. And so my Baptist grandma had that influence on me. And because my Baptist grandma took me to Sunday school, and my Baptist Sunday school teachers taught me about Jesus, I finally got smart before I got killed at 28 and a half years old. I turned my life totally over to Jesus. Praise God, I lived long enough to do that. Amen. And so because of that, because of that, I have, I'll, I'll, I'll that I'll show them off in a minute. Is all my kids that's in here and grandkids and, and daughter-in-laws up here? Yeah. They're all, we've got one up here. Come on up here, Joel. <laughs> Katie, would you please come up here? And Julie, come up here. And Joe come up here. Joel's on the meeting, but Joel, need you just a minute. Come on up here and show your smiling face. And... Where's Josh at? Okay. Yeah, I, I want to show you what happens when a man turns his life over to Jesus. None of these kids and grandkids up here today are hiding from the police this morning. They don't have to be afraid to come in here because the police might find them. None of these kids up here are twitching and sweating and nervous because they've got to get out there and get some dope. None of these kids that are up here are concerned because all their money's going to gambling, and they're hoping they're going to hit a big one or something like that. Whatever they do, and so I've just shown you the difference of what can be, of what can be. This is my daughter-in-law's. This is my little D. Notice the. You know, you know what was the, what was the pride and joy, if that's the word for it, of the family I grew up in. If we sit at a Budweiser, look at that man. He could drink beer. Look at that, what he can do. Man, I'll tell you what, this kid can fight. You ought to see what he did to those three kids in kindergarten last week. Man, this kid can fight. And I'll tell you what, when the police come and followed him home, you ought to heard how he kept a straight face and what he told them. And you know what? They had nothing on him. They could just go out the street, and he's still standing here today. Man, come on, kid, let's go still. That's how I was raised. And that might be how some of you were raised. And maybe that's how some of your parents were raised. And so you don't know what to do to get that curse off your family and how to turn it around. Well, praise the Lord. All it took was one Baptist grandma willing to sacrifice her time and make the rounds around the south side of Indianapolis and pick up a bunch of grandkids, take them to Sunday school. Amen. And then then pray. Over her family all week long praying, 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 praying for that curse to get off the family. That curse to get off the family, they know Jesus. Cause of what cause of what one Baptist grandma did, I got a whole lot more kids I got eight kids. But this is just the ones that's in California. But my sons, my beautiful daughter in laws, and my grandchildren, they serve Jesus with me. And so before I got to the word, I wanted to show you an illustrated sermon of what can be your kids. If they're not in a good place to be, they can change where they are, but you're the one has to role model in front of them. This is how you live. Amen. This is how you live. This is how you do it, guys. You don't drop them off at church. You bring them to church. Amen. Amen. During the week, you don't You don't. all of a sudden, the kids are walking into the litter and say, oh, oh change that, change that. They can't see this. You don't do that. You don't live that way. You don't, you, you don't tell the kids, get out of the room, kids. We're going to talk about something you can't hear. You don't live that way. You've got to change what you're doing. Amen? Well, let's give this wonderful family a hand. So, so we're a family church, and the first family in the church that ought to live right ought to be the preacher's family. I mean, man, I don't know about you, but if i got somebody trying to tell me how to live, I better see something in their life. Amen? fact of the matter is we live in glass houses, you know. And I want to say this. My family's not a perfect family, but we're a family that follows Jesus. And if we do wrong and we miss the mark and we stumble, we know that Jesus is good. He is love. And Jesus loves us so much. He loves us where we are. He loves us so much, though, he doesn't want us to stay where we are. And so that's why he gets pastors, churches, Christians, to be able to show us how to come up higher, come up higher all the time. And that's what we want to do today. We want to show you how to position your family, how to position your family for the blessings of God so you can have all that God wants you to have. Now, uh, I, I want to read a verse out of the New Living Translation out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And look what this says. I rem- Paul said to Timothy, I remember your genuine faith. You know, there's genuine Christians and there's hypocritical Christians. You know, there, there may be people today sitting in this church that are this morning that come to this church. And when they leave today, they'll go out and start gossiping about other Christians. They leave today, they may go out of here and start cussing people out because they don't like the way they drive. Brother they may leave today, and I'm not politically correct, I'm biblically correct. They may leave today and start putting poison things in their body that's going to hurt their bodies and cause them to die young. I say, that's okay, God loves me. You're right, God loves you. But God doesn't want you to kill yourself. God doesn't want you to get so dysfunctional in your mind because of stuff you're putting in your body that you can't be a parent and can't do right with your kids. And so, genuine faith is Christian's. That recognize that Christianity is not just coming to church on a Sunday morning or two or three Sundays a week and saying, I'm a Christian. You know, uh, I saw somebody put on Facebook one time, you don't go stand in your garage for a few minutes and say, I'm a car. Just because you stand in the garage doesn't make you a car. That means you're standing in the garage. Just because you sit in a church service doesn't make you a Christian. When you receive Jesus, Christian becomes a 24 7 thing. And I'll say it again, doesn't mean you're perfect because I'm not. Jesus was perfect. And I praise God that he was because when I come to the Father in the name of Jesus, that I have favor with God because of Jesus. Amen. And he helps pick me up. So anyway, we're talking today about genuine faith, how to position yourselves. And so I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. And so I think one thing I want to say that I don't have in my notes is this, that if just one of you adults in a family can be a stable adult, you'll change your family. If just one adult, you know, praise God, God's best is two parents, a mom and a dad that's married to each other, raising their children. And I'm not here to cast stones at anybody today because I know because of the way people have been raised in the last generation and the last generation, something that really amazes me in the modern times is the amount of people that I end up doing wedding ceremonies for because they never really knew that you're supposed to be married. And so I want to say it again. People have been ignorant about things because of what society's done. Society's did the wrong pictures. And obviously society has failed because we have a lot of dysfunctional people in the world today because they never knew what they're supposed to do. And so that's why God gives preachers is to be able to preach good news and show you what you can do to turn it around. And I, I know that for me, I wanted to have a different life for my kids than what I had. And so I knew I had to do something different than what my dad did. And so I found out what my dad did didn't work. And i 've still got brothers and, and family members that are alive back in Indiana that never got it yet, and so their kids and their grandkids are going down that same stupid road because they never got off of it and so I just want to say it again: if I believe that every child has the right to have at least one stable adult in their life, hopefully parents will get 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 it together if something click and say hey man i 'm going to change how i 'm living because not just for me, but I want to affect my kids and my grandkids but then if it's, if it's not possible for parents, or two parents, or even one parent, because I know in the times we live in, our society has got so far off of what's right that grandparents are raising the kids. Sometimes aunts and uncles are raising the kids. And sometimes even good Christian neighbors and friends start raising people's kids because either they're so messed up because of dope and And wrong things, or they're in jail somewhere waiting to get out of jail. Somebody has to raise them. And so I'm just saying today for the things we're going to look at, I want to show you, whether you're the parent, parents, or somebody raising kids just because you want to be a good person to help people, I want to show you from the Bible how to position yourself. How to position yourself so your prayers can be answered. And this prayer series we're going to be starting next Sunday night. I hope we max this place out for this whole series. I hope we do because... Prayer is more just throwing some words up and hoping something goes off. You know, I'm not a gun person, but I know the difference between a shotgun and a rifle. Does anybody here know the difference between a shotgun and a rifle? Well, see, most people are shotgun prayers. They just shoot something in the direction and hope something hits. A rifle finds a target, zeroes in, gets their sights on something, and they get as close as they can to the bullseye, and they got something specific they're aiming for and know they're going to hit. Well, that's the kind of prayers we need to be. Instead of just being scattershot and just throw a bunch up and say, Man, I hope one of them works. Well, if nothing works, I'll go on Facebook. If I can get a thousand likes for this, then maybe God will move. That's not the way it works. Jesus said, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he will do it. Jesus said, if my words abide in you, you pray my word. That God will honor the words you pray. And so we're going to really, really, really get specific on praying. But for you to position yourselves, you need to know from the Word of God what God's standard is, what God's best is for families. That's what we want to look at. And so he talked about genuine faith here. He said that faith continues strong in you. And so I wanted to just, for what we're looking at, look up a couple things about this. Genuine means possessing the claimed or attributed character, quality, or origin, not counterfeit, authentic, and real. How many have ever met a real Christian? My grandma was a real Christian, but grandma wasn't a perfect lady, I know that, because she was grandma. (laughs) I lived close to her, but for the world I came from, from what I saw, grandma was a whole lot more perfect than anybody in my house, and grandma, because she was authentic, I knew she was real, Grandma, with all what was going on, went to Grandma's house. She never had beer in the refrigerator. Grandma never had people slipping in the back door, slipping out the front door, ducking in the shadows, hiding away from people. Went to Grandma's house. Grandma, they didn't really have Christian TV back then, but on the secular channel, uh, her pastor was on TV once a week, so Grandma would watch the preacher. Grandma had pictures on her walls of praying hands. Grandma had little old things on her walls of crosses and things around her house. And Grandma never cussed. Grandma lived a good Christian life to the best of her ability. I knew knew that Grandma was genuine. I knew that Grandma wasn't counterfeit. I knew that Grandma, when she got home and closed those doors behind her, Grandma had a Bible laying there she read. And I saw those things by my own eyes as a kid. As so I knew that Grandma had authentic faith. She wasn't genuine. And so that's what Paul said, that Timothy had that kind of faith because he decided to do what Grandma did. And so then it says in this definition that genuine is not counterfeit. And I want to look at this word counterfeit. That means to imitate something. How many know that there's, some imitate, there's some imitate Christians out there? You know... Uh, I know that Pastor David Kennedy went to Rainbow Bible College. They, they they learned a lot of things out there. I did learn about some of the modern things we use, but some of that things called what's that Christian talk called? Christianese? Christianese? Some too many Christians know Christianese where they're out other Christians. Oh hallelujah, praise the Lord! Oh glory to God! Holy, 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 holy! They know the lingo around here. Then they walk back out there, and they start talking the language of the world again. They say the things the world says again because they're imitating it here. They know how to imitate it here, what to say, what's the popular way to say it. And so there's too many imitators. That's counterfeit. Counterfeit products are fake. They're replicas of the real product. Counterfeit products are often produced with the intent to take advantage of the superior value of the imitated product. And I've looked at this today relationship of counterfeit families compared to genuine Christian families, godly families that serve God, and you can tell the difference by the fruit of their lives. Counterfeit products tend to have fake company logos and brands. Counterfeit consumer products have a reputation for being lower quality, sometimes not working at all. How many know families aren't working at all? Well, I want my family to work I mean, you know, the only reason I had my family come up here was not to try to brag on us, but to brag on Jesus if you let Jesus be in control. And this wasn't a counterfeit family. I don't have a grandchild or a son and daughter in all come to church because I'm the pastor. They're in the family, so you know, we have to go. I didn't even tell them to sit on the front row. I didn't tell my son Joseph to work in the media and do all the things of young people and things. We're not a counterfeit family. We're the genuine, and because we are, my kids want to serve God. They want to help other people because they know it's real, they know it's right. Uh, you know I know, I know, I know preachers that have kids that as soon as they turn 17 or 18 years old, they rebelled and run the other direction because things have been counterfeit. We want the genuine, the real. We want to really help people. My kids have seen people be helped, and, and that's the way we live. And that's what God wants in your family sometimes not work at all, and may even include toxic elements. This has resulted in the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people due to automobile and aviation accidents, poisoning, or ceasing to take essential compounds. In the case of persons, it takes non-working medicine. There's a lot of medicine put out in churches that's non-working. By that, I mean sermons and preaching and things that go on. It's non-essential things that don't help anything. Because I know that I was raised in a family dysfunctional, then as a young Christian man growing up, I I read on things that I knew would help me function as a dad, as a husband, and as a grandfather. And so I've always tried to teach things in my churches that I've pastored to help people be a family today, know how to win today. There's a lot of things that don't matter about anything. The Bible teaches a lot of good subjects. But if your family's going under for the third time, man, you're about struck out. You don't care about a lot of other things the Bible's teaching. Who cares about the mark of the beast if your family's perishing today? Who cares about who the Antichrist is? If you're losing your family, your your kids are all doped up. You don't know how to get them back. Or you're addicted and you're high and you're trying to come down and you'd like to be able to be a dad. You'd like to be able to be a, a, a man of your house But you're just so addicted and craving so much that you can't get yourself help. And so we teach those kind of things, the right stuff. And so I want to apply this to what Paul said to Timothy and compare it to the average family in America today, Christian and non-Christian. The average family in America today, Christian and non-Christian, are far below God's best. And, you know, Jesus made a statement to a lady one time and said, He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And so as a pastor... When I teach things like this, I always do a lot of serious praying. Lord, I want to make sure I don't come across as condemning. I want to make sure I don't come across as pointing fingers and make, making people feel condemned. I want to show them what they can have, what they can do. But, you know, sometimes to, to uh, solve a problem, you've got to admit there is a problem. You know, I've never done that seven steps or 12 steps or 16 steps or any the steps. I don't know about that. I just know the Bible. But I know this. What I've heard from people, done all the steps, number one thing is admit I've got a problem. Because then when you admit you've got a problem, then you start opening yourself up a little bit and say, okay, I want to hear what this person's got to say. They say that they used to be where I'm at, and they're not there anymore. They did something to get out of here. So what did they do to get out of here? And the first thing to admit is, I have a problem. And the problem is not my parents. The problem's not the judge. The problem's not the policeman. The problem's not the school teacher. The problem's not the pastor. The problem's me. And so, if they tell me what they did, and I can understand it, then I'll do what they did. And then I'll get what they have, because I want to change. Amen? And so that's what we want to look at today. So if I say things that think, wow, somebody told him about me. He's talking about me. No, that's God using me to talk to you, because God knows more about you than you do. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And so every child needs godly parents. This is your fill in the blank on your outline. Every child needs godly parents in their life so they will recognize genuine from counterfeit relationships. That's so vital. Genuine from counterfeit relationships and friends. Society and most Christians have seen counterfeit relationships so long, they don't even know what a genuine real family looks like from God's perspective. Again, I'm not here to put down or condemn anybody because I feel so I feel so bad for the last couple of generations. I've seen things change so much from the 1950s, 1960s. How many here remember Leave it to Beaver? I told Mrs. Pastor this morning back when I was a little kid watching that. Then I was a young man watching that. Ward Cleaver was so old. But now I've come to the place in life that I'm old enough to be Ward Cleaver's dad. <laughs> And so I guess that would say I've had some experiences. I've done some things. I found out a lot of things that don't work. And now I guess if Ward Cleaver around, he'd call me dad. <laughs> but anyway, there were, there were a lot of, lot, lot of things different back then, but the Leave it to Beaver family was pretty much the common families I knew that lived all around us. And so uh, because of secular humanism, political correctness, American people have been deceived. For generations. You can't spend counterfeit money very long. Because eventually you'll get caught. You can only spend genuine currency. If you want the merchants of the banks to accept it. And honor it. With goods and services. There's going to come a point in time. If you're a counterfeiter. Spending money. You're going to go to jail. And you're not going to be able to buy stuff. And so that definition of counterfeit. Is a lot of things we say about families. About your faith. You know, counterfeit faith will fool some people for a while, but there comes a point in time when you go home and you have to still live with you. And you're not going to see the peace. You're not going to see the love and commitment in your marriage, in your children, in life, like you see in people that have genuine faith, if you don't do what they did to get the real thing. I want to say that again. If you want your faith to buy peace in your home, to buy harmony in your home, if you want your faith to be where your kids look to you as if you're their best friend, there's no better person in the world for kids to learn about sex with than from dad and mom that are married that tell them how this stuff works. No better person in the world. No better person in the world to teach your children how to say no to wrong relationships, to substance abuse, and all those kind of things than you, I think about I think about all my children. Matter of fact, let me let me read you something from one of my sons sitting up here on the front row named Pastor David. Uh, you know, those of you who've been here for a while know that back in 2011, Pastor David Katie wanted to go back to Indiana for a while. Had helped another man in ministry, so I went back and helped him out at church. But while they were gone, he sent me a card back, and uh, so he wasn't some little kid. He was already a grown man through Bible school, family, and everything like that. This is from November of 2011. Hey, Dad, I got this in the mail. Just wanted to say thanks for being such a great example all those years to me. I'm amazed at how consistent you've always been to God and His Word. You've taught me more than you'll ever know. And I definitely wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for you. I love you and miss you. Maybe we'll be in ministry together again someday. I sure hope so. Love, David. Amen. 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 And, and we have a daughter that's, uh, what, be 28 this year? That's our youngest daughter. i got a daughter that's 45 this year. Somebody said, well, I did not hardly think you was 45. I didn't either, but I am. But anyway... Our daughter from Alaska, her husband's a soldier up there. Uh, She calls her every day and talks for an hour. Best friends. Got a son that's a farmer in Indiana. And how was Jason this year? He's 42. And praise the Lord, faith works. He's getting married. (laughs) Amen. Amen. He's married a little Filipino girl. Uh, He had to import her to get her here, but... uh, He's got a Filipino girl, found her on. Was that? One of those Christian sites like that. So modern times, things do work like that when you got parents that pray. So anyway, what I'm saying is this. Jason still calls her and talks for a long time every day. Best friends. And, and my sons. My grandchildren. Last night, well, we'll see this word in a minute. Last night, we had a birthday party for Joel. Hard to believe, but that boy's seven years old now. Mighty man of faith. We all sat around the table, and we're in California. So what did we have? A Mexican meal. <laughs> we sat around the table, and my uh, almost Mexican daughter-in-law. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome Mexican cook now. We're out here. So I was looking around that table last night and said, wow, this is a picture of what I'm going to be preaching on tomorrow. Looked in there. All this family sitting around that table celebrating that birthday. And you know what my grandson wanted for his birthday? He wanted suits. <laughs> How many seven-year-old kids do you know that want suits for their birthday so they can be like Grandpa? Amen. <laughs> hey, Isn't that better said? Hey Dad, can I have my own? Uh, did you guys get me a pipe so I can smoke my own dope in my own pipe. I want my own pipe. <laughs> or 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 hey Dad, can I can I can I have some kid-sized pills so I can pop pills like your pills? Fuck. <laughs> Right there, what a, what a godly thing for those kids to want that. But I saw them sitting around that table, and I thought, man, I bet there's a lot of people in our church who would give anything if their whole family come together for events and get around the tables together. So anyway, anyway uh, our family has learned how to do some things, and that's genuine faith. When the family comes, you can spend there for that peace and everything. So anyway, uh, we want to help you. For your family to function, how the manufacturer designed it to function. You know the manufacturer is of humans? It's God. And so we want your family not to be toxic, but to be pure, to be blessed. And so I look at that one part of that counterfeit definition about the taking the medicine that had nothing in it. And you know what I saw when I looked at that part of that definition was... How many know that for years they've had these newspaper columns where you write in, dear so-and-so, my so-and-so is doing this, and they, they give all kinds of politically correct answers about sex, about family relationships, about quarrels, all kinds of things that are told, totally anti-God, and so people are fighting each other, getting deeper into wrong relationships and doing wrong things, and then some other things that I really don't know anything about Somebody mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago, and I know I'd seen it, but didn't know what it was. They told me it was on it, a, a thing called MTV. Anybody ever heard of a thing called MTV? I couldn't believe what they was telling me this MTV's about. And what am I saying? I'm saying, now listen to this. This is very serious to me. I'm saying that's counterfeit families. These sitcoms. These things you probably see in internet videos. That's counterfeit families. Those things there you can't spend. What I mean you can't spend, they won't bring peace and harmony in your home. They won't keep your kids out of illicit relationships. They won't te- keep your kids off of dope and wouldn't be mean to other people and all those kind of things. That's counterfeit. If your family is being raised on MTV and all these other things, then no wonder you're broke. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so, uh, so we, want, we, want, we want to show you how to position your family to be fully blessed of God. I want to look at Psalms 128 out of the Living Bible. And this, this passage here means so much to me. My lovely wife came into my life back in 1981. We got married in 1982. In 1981, I was praying for a wife. And the Lord gave me this verse one day, this passage right here. And this is the manufacturer's design. This is the pattern of what God sees for your family to be. And you know what I... I, Look at things like this in the Bible. God's, God's word tells us what we can have, but then we have to do something to get it. And so he says this, blessings on all who reverence and trust the Lord. It doesn't say blessings on all who live how they want to and do what they want to and totally ignore God. It says on all who uh, reverence and trust the Lord on all who obey him. Now listen to this. Here's what God wants for you and your family, what he wants for me. Their reward shall be prosperity and happiness. And King James says, they shall eat the labor of your hands. That means that you'll have a good job that gives you a good paycheck and benefits to take care of your family. Boy, how times have changed. Man, I remember back in the days when I was growing up, in my young married days, Moms didn't even have to work outside the home. They were able to stay home and be a mom and take care of the house. And the dads didn't have to go very far from work because we didn't have all the different kind of things we have now where dad was able to go home, work eight hours a day and come back home and be a role model at home. But anyway, he says, the reward shall be prosperity and happiness. Your wife shall be contented in your home. That's what God wants. Your wife shall be contented in your home. And look at all those children. There they sit around the dinner table as vigorous and healthy as young olive trees. And I remember, I didn't have a family. I was praying for a wife. And I remember just all of a sudden, it was like what well, I call it a mini vision. All of a sudden, I saw an impression of a table, a bunch of kids sitting around it. And I didn't know her yet. And I saw that. And I knew that God told me, you're going to have a wife that'll stick faithful to you. You're going to have kids that sit at your table. And you're going to have a family that eats together. You've got a family that loves together, stays together, goes to church together. I saw that. And then God sent her into my life. And man, I'll tell you what, we started popping up babies. And the thing was, our babies saw a dad and a mom that were home. Saw a dad and a mom that didn't do perverted things. Saw a dad and a mom that didn't cuss each other out and throw things at each other and holler at each other all the time. That were faithful to each other. Wasn't hiding around and sneaking around and drinking around and all that kind of stuff and sleeping around. Saw a dad and a mom that were together and so the Bible has a thing called seed time and harvest that each thing produces after itself. And so I got sons and daughters that are faithful to their mates, and their children see what's going on. And what am I saying? I'm saying this: that my job from God is to help people get on the right road to turn their lives around. And so my job is to show you what can be. And show you how to get there. And so God said, no matter where you are today, that a husband and wife can be together at the dinner table. And we don't have the cell phone problem like a lot of people do. But maybe it might be, in these modern times, you might have a box or a room or someplace when you come to dinner together to shut them off and lock them up. So you can sit there and actually have a conversation and talk to each other. And you might you might make some kind of a, a deal with your family that when we come together, and I know this would be kind of hard for dads and moms in modern times, you might be addicted to your cell phone. If you're addicted to your cell phone, then how can you get mad at your kids if they are? You might need to lay down your cell phone yourself and tell the kids, this is family time. This is the time we're not going to be sending messages. We're not going to be watching YouTubes. We're not going to be doing whatever else you do, playing the games, stuff like that. This is our family time. We're going to sit here, and we're just going to have a conversation. And, you know, I think about the state of what the family is today. The first conversation might be a duh. And then somebody goes, duh, duh. Somebody go, duh, duh, duh. Because they don't know how to talk. You might say, could you put that in text form so I can understand you? <laughs> well, isn't that the truth? That's about what it's come to. And so it says this, that there they sit around the dinner table as vigorous and healthy as young olive trees. That is God's rewards. Now look at this, to those who reverence and trust him. That is God's reward. To those who reverence and trust him. And so may the Lord continue to bless you with heaven's blessings. That's what we're talking about. Position yourself to enjoy the blessings of God in your home. And so may the Lord continue to bless you with heaven's blessings as well as with human joys. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. Hallelujah. I'm enjoying my grandchildren. Well, what a phase of life this is. Man. How many grandparents do we have in here? Do we have any grandparents? Amen. How many enjoy your grandchildren? Well, I'll tell you what, this is so awesome. And I enjoy my grandchildren and my children that... Teach my grandchildren how we clean up when the grandchildren leave. That is so wonderful. That is so wonderful. We love, we love to have our grandchildren play with us. I got a fenced-in backyard. I got grass. I got play area. My grandkids come man, We got all kinds of balls and stuff like that, and little plastic baseball bats. We get out there, man. We bop those balls around, and throw those footballs around, and. Yesterday, me and Ellie was laying on the grass, our head on footballs for a pillow, watching the airplanes while we well, was dodging balls and darts. Little kids, uh, Joel, they got little dart guns for their birthdays, and we'd watch the darts league around, watching the airplanes, laying on the grass. But you know what I'm saying? I'm not sick. I'm not in jail. I'm not feeble minded. I live in what the Bible says. You'll enjoy your grandchildren. I've enjoyed my grandchildren. God wants you to enjoy your grandchildren. God wants you to enjoy your children. But there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. You've got to start doing some things to get away from gratifying your own flesh all the time. What does that mean? Somebody said, well, that sounds like Christianese to me. I don't understand what that means. That means you got to quit living just for yourself. You got to start realizing that people are watching you. You know something that actually became a revelation with, with I think Joe was the one. That's Joseph up in the sound booth. I remember one time, what's been twenty seven years ago. It started bothering me. I noticed we walking up the sidewalk to church. Joe kept going, spitting, kept spitting everywhere, and I was thinking, man, why is he spitting all the time? Well, all of a sudden, I started catching myself. Man, I'm walking around spitting, doing a bunch of spitting, just spitting. I thought, wow, every little thing we do, they're watching us. So whatever we do, that says this: people, parents, and grandparents, and guardians, you have habits. And I'm going to tell you something. Now, this here, this here, don't don't stone me. I'm just the messenger. Now, this, this, this is a Bible fact. If you want to know why your kids are doing what they're doing, go look in the mirror. What they're doing, they picked off off watching somebody they respect. And if you say, well, they never learned it off me, then I want to say this then. How much time are they spending with you compared to somebody else then? Because if they didn't learn it off you, they learned it off whoever you entrusted them to. We're going to be having a baby dedication in a little bit. And so the number one thing to raising up a child right is raise the parents right. And you know, I'm thinking about, again, one of the number one laws of communication is seeing through the eyes of the other person. And so to me, it would be almost impossible, it would be almost impossible for some of you to be good parents because you never saw an example before. You never saw what parenting is from your parents. I can't tell you how many stories I hear. I don't even know who my dad is. That is so sad to me. And when I say that, I know that people here don't know who their own dad is. And I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm saying that with a total heart of compassion. I love you. And I wish you knew who your dad was. But the thing is, when I I was born, there was a president named Harry S. Truman. Anybody ever hear of Harry S. Truman? He is the president. And he had a sign on his desk that became real famous. It said, the buck stops here. And what the buck stops here meant, it was a saying that here's what it means. That the last administration that ran our country did things one way. And so I'm not going to blame anything on them. I'm in control now of the White House. And so instead of blaming somebody else, if there's any problems, I'll take responsibility for it. Responsibility stops here. I'm going to change how things are run now. And so for my family, when I got born again, I looked at the Samples family. My last name is Samples, in case you don't know I'm Pastor Samples. I looked at the Samples family. I looked at my dad. I looked at my uncle's. Looked at my grandpa's, and I said, the curse over the Samples family is broken. The buck stops here. There will be no more drunks produced in my lineage. There will be no thugs produced in my lineage. I can't change who my dad is, but I can change what kind of dad I'm going to be. I can't change. I can't change how I was raised, but I can change how I'm going to raise these. And so I'm saying this to you. Stop if you don't like where life is right now. Don't whine and cry over spilt milk about what was behind you. You know, I was a truck driver for a lot of years, and somebody said, What's that got to do with anything? I learned something about looking behind me. I had a great big windshield and two little mirrors of that truck. I didn't drive by those mirrors; I drove by the windshield because I would look at the mirrors about what was behind me. I'd have crashed. I was aware of what was behind me, but I had to focus on what's in front of me. And so, you as Christians, as parents, you need to be aware about where you came from so you don't go back. You need to focus on that great big picture about what's ahead of you, what you can have. You can have children and grandchildren in your home, not fighting each other. You can have a wife, you can have a husband sitting at your table together. If you have no desire to get married again or whatever like that, don't worry about that. But at least if you're the head of the house, you can focus on where you're going and quit whining about where you've been. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, in, in heading towards the end of this, I want you to notice two key words, two key phrases in verse 1 and verse 4. You position your family to be fully blessed to God by reverencing and trusting the Lord. That's the number one step to get in position is to reverence and trust the Lord. Reverence means to submit to the judgment of a recognized or superior out of respect or awe. How many here would agree that God's superior to you? That his judgment is far better than yours. How many respect God? That have an awe of God. Just I mean you really just you know, just man, He's God. Well, that's one of the keys to get in position, and then trust. Trust is confidence and belief in the truth, ability, and reliability of someone else. It's to have confidence and belief in the truth, ability, and reliability. And so he said in this passage that if you trust and reverence him, You'll have a happy marriage. You'll be together as a family. Your children are submitting reverence to you. You know, I still praise God that my grown children. I've got a daughter, be 45 this year, lives down in Florida, and I praise God that she asked me questions about her marriage, asked me questions about her children, asked me how come that I used to do this. So she could do it too. She wants to know the why. That class we have, the family class, the parenting class, teaches the why. What's the dad? Why did you do this and get this results? And I tell her, the confide she trusted me. And so, those keys to God doing that for your home, He says, for all that reverence and trust Him. And so, trust means like your children. If you tell your children, don't touch that hot stove, it will burn you. Well, if your children don't trust you, they got to find out for themselves and they get burnt. It's not your fault. It's their fault. But you don't get mad at them and throw them away and say, oh, let me help you. Now, you've learned your lesson. Well, when God tells you, here's what you do, and you don't trust him, you say, well, I'm going to do it this way anyway because dear so-and-so in the paper said, dear so-and-so, is it okay if I have sex with my next-door neighbor and my husband's not home? A dear so-and-so says, well, if you don't have a good husband, then that's okay. Isn't that what the vice was tell everybody? Do what you want to do because that's okay if it makes you feel better. Well, if you get out there and get in trouble then, and then all of a sudden your husband hadn't been home because he'd been deployed for a year, and comes back says, guess what, honey, we're seven months pregnant. He said, wow, that's immaculate conception. No. You get out and do things wrong... You can't blame God. But then God's not going to slam you away There, God's going to say, okay, you learned your lesson. Now let me help you get up and we'll just get this thing going right. Amen? Amen. And so to reverence and trust the Lord, you do those things. And so now I want to look at a couple things that were closing. John chapter 3, verse 3. This is the first step to reverence and trust the Lord. This was my first step. Had the first step of any successful Christian family you've seen, Jesus said, "Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God." So the first step to reverence and trust the Lord is be born again. And what Jesus meant was, you won't really understand about the things of God. And godly family relationships until you're born again. And so there's a lot of things that we talk about that makes no sense to you. People that aren't born again, born again means you receive Jesus as your Savior. People aren't born again, they think, I work six days a week. I've got one day I can rest. Why should I go to church on Sunday? That's my one day I get to rest. I've always rested on Sunday. But when you're born again, you realize that's the one day I can be refreshed. I'll come into the holy atmosphere of God that's in a church service. There's a holy atmosphere there. When I come to the church service, there's going to be Christians that aren't cussing and mad at everybody. that are not complaining about everybody. And they're going to be talking nice things. That I want to get in there. I want to hear what God has to say to me. And when you're born again, you understand that. And then to get born again, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 tells us how it is just this easy. And this is how you position yourself to be blessed of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 10 says this: That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession made to salvation. And so it's that easy to possess yourself and get born again. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died for your sins and raised from the dead. And you confess Him as your Lord and your Savior. And that's the first step to get in position for God to bless you. How many want to be blessed and be in that position where God wants you to be? Well, let's stand up together. Let's stand up. We're going to be dedicating babies in just a minute.